You're listening to the On Air Podcast on the web at www.onairpodcast.co.uk Providing material for use by hospital radio stations across the UK Oh yes, we are back. Welcome to the On Air Podcast. It is On Air Podcast number 22 And uh, I'm very glad to be back in the wife's wardrobe Now things are going to be a little bit quirky today uh, Because uh, basically... I'm trying out a new bit of software called Ubercaster on the Mac, and uh, I'm not entirely sure how good it's going to be. Um, I've got lots of red lights here, so I'm hoping that I'm not peeking too much for you, and apologies if I am. It's meant to make life easier, but <laughs> these things rarely do. I think you'll find. So coming up on the podcast today, Wade's World, of course, podcast news, hospital radio news, HBA news as well, and some feedback. And also the main meat of the podcast is a recording um, from the seminar at Northampton Conference, recording from the guys from Ofcom, their seminar that they did all about the future of radio. So um, that's coming at the end of today's podcast. So then, um, yes, in back in the wife's wardrobe and uh, trying a few bits and pieces out and trying to make life easier for myself, but it's not quite working yet. Uh, they got myself a new compressor microphone thingamajib um, for the microphone, which is just a Behringer thingamajib, and uh, just trying that out at the moment and seeing how that sounds and putting the microphone in a bit of a bizarre position. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how we get on. Uh, what is happening in Wade's world? It's so great to be back here doing the podcast. Um, well, I've got an attachment starting very soon at work at the end of May. Uh, for those who have tuned into the podcast for the very first time, I should really introduce myself. Uh, my name's Matt Wade. I'm a member at Hospital Radio Chelmsford, been a member there for 15 years, and uh, also work for the BBC World Service as well. That's my uh, day paid job. So uh, everything's a bit of a busman's holiday around here. And uh, so, yeah, just about to start an attachment at the end of May as an assistant technology manager for distribution. Uh, technology delivery is the name of the department. Sounds highly posh and I'm sure won't quite live up to its posh title. But uh, we'll look forward to that. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, chance to do something a little bit different and learn some project management skills. So uh, I'll, of course, keep you up to date with how that has gone um celebrated my third wedding anniversary um this week on tuesday of this week the 2nd of may that's um so three years which i've been told by my wife abby whose wardrobe i use to record this podcast in is leather yes i know the first one was paper and i think it, then it goes to cotton and then apparently leather is uh, the third so uh i'll let your minds um, be disgusting over what I bought her for the wedding anniversary. It was a pair of flowers, a bouquet of flowers, and went out for a lovely meal last night. Also, other things that have been uh, keeping me away from the podcast as well has been the HRC move, the Hospital Radio Chelmsford move. Uh, we moved hospitals, and uh, also that meant a change of studios and bits and pieces like that. So uh, that has kept me very, very busy indeed. I stand down at the AGM, which is on Tuesday of this week, the 8th of May. And um, so I stand down as 
chief engineer, well, just don't seek re-election, basically. And uh, so I'm very much looking forward to coming off and uh, being able to produce more podcasts for you. You're listening to the On Air Podcast on the web at www.onairpodcast.co.uk. So, yeah, very, very much looking forward to that. And also been down to Bournemouth to Abby's Auntie Dee's house and uh, had a lovely time down there. The weather's been absolutely superb. So uh, been doing that, uh, been pampering myself in a uh, spa in stock and uh, yeah, just uh, generally doing lots and lots of stuff, which has kept me away from the podcast. But um, now, um, as the chief engineer and the studio move comes to the end, I'm hopefully freed myself up to do a good few more and uh, try and do them every fortnight. Yeah, moves us quite nicely onto podcast news. And uh, yeah, one of the reasons, apart from not having a mic processor, which uh, call me Mr. Vane, but uh, I simply must have, um, is the bandwidth was all used up for the award ceremony that I, uh, the National Hospital Radio Awards that I stuck out on the feed. Uh, that was a big file because it was a, a long recording. And uh, I'm glad to say it's been downloaded 215 times that recording uh, and so i'm very very much uh, glad that i put it onto my uh, libsyn hosting account which is unlimited bandwidth because that sucker must have taken quite a bit so um thank you for downloading the show i, I hope you enjoyed the recording haven't had too much feedback on it I'll give you details on how you can uh, get in touch with the show at the end of the program but downloaded 215 times i think that's pretty darn good also added to the website as well if you haven't been across to the website maybe you just download this podcast via itunes and don't actually uh, ever go to onairpodcast.co.uk well worth heading along there um, i've updated the right hand sidebar with some more audio resources for you that was after the hospital radio seminar that uh, roland myers did all about uh, syndication hospital radio syndication and uh, we'll be catching up with uh, roland myers very very soon we did record the seminar but uh, he'd much rather have a chat with us so we're going to get him on the phone and uh, find out all about what goes on in roland's life and also uh, a little bit of the stuff that he covered but it's well worth checking out on airpodcast.co.uk on the right hand side there's some links to some audio resources uh, including roland myers and also recently added on the music box online with gordon lowe so uh, well worth checking out on airpodcast.co.uk uh, what else is going on? Let me uh, get myself a little, a little uh, settled in here. Hospital radio news. Got uh, quite a lot of that because it's been ages since the last podcast. Uh, and so let's just uh, have a little spin through hospital radio news then. And uh, Robbie Williams fans could bag themselves a signed CD from the Megastar in a quiz and a raffle that uh, took place. It, this was uh, this is straight out of the newspapers. Hospital Radio Swindon hosted a contest in the town and uh, family ties are brought in the raffle and quiz prizes for the event, including an exclusive signed CD from the pop star. Yep, so uh, Hospital Radio Swindon, hope that one went well for you. Do let us know how it went. Stoke Mandeville Hospital Radio, that's going to be returning to the airwaves later this month after a two-month absence. The station was uh, forced out of its studios to make way for the new ho housing development at the hospital. But they're currently in the process of moving to a new home in one of the old wards on the South Corridor. However, it is going to be far from permanent. This is also due to be demolished at some point in the future. The station will once again have to find new premises. 
the uh, the chairman at Stoke Manorville, which is uh, who's Robin Finlay, said the award-winning station should be back on air by mid-May. It's on the hunt for new talent and volunteers. Uh, and you can check out Stoke Manorville's website at www.smrh.co.uk. But the links will be in the show notes, so don't worry about that. Also, if you're listening to the Enhanced podcast, we'll also stick a uh, hyperlink in there. Just click on the picture that you see right now if you're listening to this on iTunes on your PC. Members of the Rotaract Clubs in Hales Owen and Edgbaston. They're organising the Blazer Glory event at the Hilton Hotel in Bromsgrove. That's taking place on the 23rd of June at 7.30. And Dudley Hospital Radio, there's going to be one of the charities benefiting from the event. So I hope that goes well for you guys. Uh, Newham General Hospital's annual 24-hour live radio broadcast. They uh, had a host of well-known local figures coming down to help them. Um, Also MPs in there, the mayor dropped in for a chat, and uh, information on services also aired by Woodside Hospital Radio, along with an interview about the Trust's Patients First initiative to improve the quality of care. Uh, The new hospital menus also up for discussion. Oh yes, I bet they were. Uh, Basingstoke, staff at Basingstoke Hospital took to the airwaves to celebrate Hospital Broadcasting Week. Employees were invited to find out more about the hospital radio station, visit the studio and try their hand at being live presenters. The open day just came days after the station narrowly missed out on an award at the National Hospital Radio Awards. But hey, it just shows that if you don't win an award, it doesn't mean you can't get any publicity. And uh, final bit of hospital radio news that I've gleaned from my sources. At Warrington Hospital Radio, they picked up three awards from the Hospital Broadcasting Association. 35 volunteers there were overwhelmed, though it is the third year in a row that they've been honoured. The station thought it was a quality broadcaster, but only recently started entering the awards. So uh, well done to you guys at Warrington Hospital Radio. OK, it's time for some music. I'm uh, waiting for my cup of tea to be delivered by uh, by my lovely wife. And um, so we'll get some music on. And with any luck, uh, we should be able to play it by doing this. I'll tell you all about it afterwards.
the horizon. Long shadows stretch out while brisket flies in. Figuring in the room and cool the conversation. Calm sets in, a moment of meditation. The whole day is playing back in my mind. Of all the people and their faces in this moment of time. Some are wearing smiles, others following the misery. Some find tomorrow while others become history. Now where do I fit in? Am I the author or the artist? The moon or the stars or the sun, the lights of darkness? Could be the dumbest ending, it could be the smartest. I learned about perspective between the closest and the farthest. See, I've been the farmer in the season of the harvest. It was learned to sow the seeds that I leave with the hardest. Now every day good and bad will be around. So let's focus on this Hope you enjoy that one. Uh, that's by a band called Natives of a New Dawn, and it's called 
Good Day, surprisingly enough. That was quite a nice tune. I heard that played on uh, another podcast, The Daily Source Code, that I listened to. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll stick that on the uh, podcast uh, once I finally get him back into the uh, into the wireless wardrobe. So on to Hospital Broadcasting Association news. And, well, haven't really got too much from them. If you haven't checked out the new HBA website, it's well worth a visit, www.hbauk.co.uk. Uh, do check that out. Do log yourself in and do get your let your station contact uh, log in and then you can get hold of uh, much more juicy bits and pieces. Also, I must say congratulations to John and all the guys at Hospital Radio Perth for winning Station of the Year at the National Hospital Radio Awards, because I've not done a podcast since then. So well done to you guys. And uh, I really do hope that uh, you make the most of it. Um, and it's uh, nice that Hospital Radio Charles has sort of passed it over to you guys. So, uh, yeah, well done to you. So then, um, just some feedback before we go into our recording from the seminar all about the future of radio done by the guys at Ofcom. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. Some feedback, first of all, and this one comes from Richard. Hello, Matt. Hope things are going well for you. And just thought you'd like to know that the programme now has its 50th station taking part in it. And you're thinking, what programme? It is the A to Z of pop, of course. And uh, yeah, so well done to you, Richard. It's taken the 50th station taken part and things have really moved on since the last time that uh, we corresponded and spoke about it. And just saying maybe give it a mention on the podcast as I'm still interested in hearing from new stations that want a bit of extra presenter-led programming. He said here, what about Chelmsford? So um, I should be passing that on to the new program controller. So here is Richard's email address. So if you are interested in the A to Z of pop, it's some presenter-led programming, you can drop him an email at the A to Z of pop at AOL.com. And the web address, well, it's uk. So uh, that's it. Thanks a lot, mate. All the best for now. And that one is from Richard. So uh, well done to you, Richard, and uh, I'll stick those links in the show notes. Also, the A to Z of pop is linked to from onairpodcast.co.uk. And Adam James has been in touch from Seaside Hospital Radio and uh, just saying that he read a reply I did on the one list regarding podcast audio sharing, saying the on-air podcast is sounding really good, and I know that you've been interested in having guest producers and presenters for the show, and he's saying that he would be interested in doing this so um that would be fantastic and uh yeah so thank you for getting in touch adam you can uh, find out details of adam's station at www.seasidehr.com if you'd like to find out a little bit more about hospital radio well seaside hospital radio thanks adam and uh we shall be in touch don't worry if you would like to contact the on-air podcast you can do it a variety of ways you can do it via email uh, that's probably one of the best ways to be honest with you on air podcast at gmail.com on air podcast at gmail.com uh, you can uh, send me text or audio feedback or if you'd just like to get in touch with the program so feel free to attach an mp3 onto that you can also add comments on the website uh, under each show episode the website onairpodcast.co.uk you can skype me as well and leave me a voicemail at mattwade01 is my skype id you can instant message me as well wadem01 at hotmail.co.uk and you can just pick up the phone just renewed this for another 12 months cost me a bit of money 020 7870 1287 
Yeah, 020 7870 1287. Maybe you'd like to just ring in and tell us about what's going on with your station. Give me some station news. Or maybe you just got some feedback about the podcast. Or just anything that's going on, really. We'd love to hear from you. Do give me a ring. Uh, that number is just a, a UK London number, so it won't cost you too much. 0207 870 1287. Okay, that leads us on to our recording. My thanks must go to Alistair MacDonald for doing the recordings whilst I wasn't there at the Northampton conference. In the coming podcasts, we've got a recording um, from uh, another one of the seminars that took place. I'm desperately trying to figure out which uh, which recording that was. Um, So just stay tuned to further episodes of the podcast. But this one is a recording uh, of Will Jackson and John Heesman from Ofcom. And uh, they wanted to find out, um, well, they were talking about the future of radio, which is one of their consultation documents that they've had out and uh, wanting hospital radio's view on what the future of radio is. So I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, If not, feel free to skip over. It will just take us to the end of the programme. I won't be back after this starts. And uh, I'll catch you on the next podcast, which will hopefully be in two weeks time. So take it easy. Um, Welcome not only to the conference obviously but to this seminar, Um, it's lovely to see so many of you. Um, We're very lucky to have two guests who understand hospital radio because they have both been members of hospital radio stations themselves, but they're here as representatives from Ofcom. So I'd like to introduce you to Will Jackson who is the Senior Radio Executive uh, at Ofcom and also to John Heesman also Senior Radio Executive at Ofcom, and I'll hand over to you gentlemen. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much for having us. Um, (coughs) One piece of advice, this is a very weird thing, and I didn't know this would happen, but one piece of advice, radio is an incredibly small industry because if you were here for the previous session, Roland Myers, who sat down the front, I know he doesn't look old enough, but I grew up listening to this man on Radio Sussex. Um, and, and I never thought I'd be honoured to follow him on the same stage. So, um, so uh, I, one of my first jobs in, in radio was doing PRS logging, uh, which, and I know I don't look old enough, was done by hand in those days. Um, and I sat there with a stopwatch in one hand and a pen in the other, writing down all these crazy tracks that Roland was playing and got a prince it was my first paid radio job and I got a ten pound check from the BBC and I still have it framed framed on my wall. Which, it's out of date now. Which is out of date. And I think that's how the BBC saves money is they know they pay people such small amounts that they won't bank them and they just end up framing them. Um, I've done my show prep on Northampton. Um, thank you for inviting us. It's lovely to be here at the conference. Uh, Northampton clearly has something for everybody. If you like your lager, you get to drink it without worrying about the miles that it's come to your beer t- beer pump. If you prefer your shoes and your credit cards, then you're catered for that with Barclay Card and Northampton's Shoe Shopping. So, a great place and thank you for having us. We want to talk about the future of radio. Um, we don't claim, first of all, it's, clear, it's important to set out, we don't actually claim to know what the future of radio is. And I'll explain why I'm saying that in a little while. It's also the title of a discussion document that we published in November, setting out what we think will be some of the important issues that should concern anybody that cares about radio, whether as a broadcaster or just as a listener. We'd hope to be able to bring you some specific proposals to discuss, but continuing the Northampton Lager theme, 
like a bottle of Grosch Lager, it's not quite ready yet. The industry chiefs, uh, the industry commercial radio chief executives are taking well-deserved breaks in their villas in Provence, so we're waiting till after Easter to launch the document, but we can give you an outline of some of the issues that we'll be considering in it. Firstly, it's really important to say that Ninety percent of the population tune in every week, which is an incredible figure. At the same time, households with digital radio, DAB, reached 16%, which is up 44% on the previous year, while listening via other platforms is also increasing. And the choice for listeners has increased considerably as new stations offering new formats have been launched over the past few years by both commercial radio, with formats like classic rock, jazz, chill out and adult alternative, and the BBC. In a few months' time, Ofcom will award the license for the second national commercial multiplex, which could offer an additional 10 or so radio stations and perhaps other multimedia services too. However, there's still un some uncertainty about the exact shape that the radio industry will take over the next few years in terms of operators, platforms, digital take-up and actual stations. Ofcom's primary concern in radio is to look after the listeners' interests. We have duties to ensure a wide range and diversity of radio services across the UK, catering for local tastes and interests, and to make sure that there's an appropriate amount of local material broadcast on commercial local radio, with a suitable proportion of it locally made. And the way we do that is by licensing stations, AM, FM or DAB, and by ensuring that commercial stations keep to their formats, which are the one-page document that every station has. It's written by the station itself and included as part of its license. We also have duties to protect listeners from harm and offence and to ensure that they're being treated fairly and that their privacy is being respected. And that's done through the Ofcom Broadcast Code. I have a few copies of that if you want them, otherwise you can download them from the website. I've only bought a handful here because they're quite bulky documents. Um, but you can download those from the Ofcom website and I can give you the address for that later on. So part of our role is policing, but it's also part making sure that radio can compete and flourish without too much regulation, because with a strong, healthy radio sector, stations won't be, uh, without a strong, healthy radio sector, stations won't be in a position to offer listeners the best possible service and the things that Ofcom has a duty to ensure are provided. Sure. Okay, thanks, Will. Um, well, last November, we published a discussion document uh, entitled rather modestly, The Future of Radio. Um, and we do want to begin a debate now about the future because we believe that major shifts will threaten the existence of commercial radio as it currently operates and if we're to protect the interests of listeners then the structure of the industry and the way it's regulated will need to change. We want to get everyone involved in this debate and get a wide range of input as possible. 
Now, as we said earlier, that might just be your concerns as a radio listener. But the changes facing radio will affect everyone participating in radio at every level, from the BBC to Classic FM to the smallest stations. And the freedom that community student and hospital radio allows people means that you can offer some of the most creative solutions and innovative ideas. And that's why you know, we, we hope to hear some of those from you. Um, I think there are three main changes underway that, that affects the whole radio sector. Um, the first one we've identified is competition from other technologies. Uh, first of all, competition for traditional analogue radio from other technologies is of course growing, as we know. The number of young adults who listen to radio is beginning to fall as they consume media in new ways, via the internet, for example, <coughs> MySpace or, or YouTube, or by playing computer games, or of course listening to their iPods. And that group, I think it's fair to say, is becoming gradually disengaged from traditional media. For example, some new Ofcom research that we've just done shows that the proportion of 16 to 24-year-olds who say they listen, so, sorry, who say they use radio to listen to the news has fallen from 60% in 2002 to just 44% in 2006. That's quite a dramatic change in just a couple of years. Um, another big area of concern is around radio advertising and radio advertising stalling. Uh, and this is being caused by mainly advertisers switching to the internet. Now, although overall radio listening is constant, it's important to emphasise that the overall radio figure for total listening to radio hasn't gone down. In fact, it even went up the last quarter slightly. Uh, radio advertising growth has stalled in both absolute terms and as a share of total radio advertising. Now, we think that's being driven by a process of structural adjustment in favour of new media a trend we believe will continue and that's we believe is going to put huge pressure on the commercial radio sector and in particular on the smaller local stations. So that was the second area of concern and our third area of concern for the future of radio is digital listening increasing. Um, obviously not a concern but an opportunity but the third major change is the increase in digital listening. Digital radio is taking an increasing share of radio listening putting greater pressure on local analogue services. Now when Ofcom began uh, in 2003 less than 1% of homes had DAB. By the last quarter of 2006 that had risen to 16% so that's quite a, a jump over what three years. Listening on other digital platforms has also grown rapidly. At the end of 2003, 20% of adults sometimes listen to radio via digital television. By December 2006, end of last year, that figure had almost doubled to 39%. As of June 2006, 16% of all commercial radio listening was via digital platforms. And based on those current trends, we forecast that that's going to grow to around 90% in 10 years' time. Um, devices such as the Lobster mean that DAB is now available in mobile phones. Will has one in his hand there. Uh, this also offers mobile TV through DAB. And the iRiver, which we also have one to show you as well, um, is a similar TV device which is shortly to appear in the UK. That's this. And using a different transmission system called DVBH. Uh, and again, that also offers digital radio. And uh, this is, if you haven't seen The Lobster, this is uh, BBC One on your mobile phone. Um, 
and that is a live that's a live feed and it's being transmitted through uh, a portion of the DAB spectrum it's not just picking up the standard UHF 625 line signal that is actually it's a little bit break up but that's because we're in a concrete room um, but that's that is BBC one being transmitted through DAB and the radio is also um, uh, that's also a DAB radio uh, and that's really important for getting um, DAB take up uh, and particularly amongst youngsters is getting DAB chips into mobile phones uh, we were talking in the bar last night uh, about kids uh, generally a lot of research is finding that the only radio that teenagers own now is the one in their mobile phone they're not going and going out and buying transistor radios in the way that we might have done um, so it's really important that we get DAB for the digital future into handsets and if you want to come and play with that afterwards you're, you're more than welcome to um, and yeah the iRiver uh, this is again a pocket television uh, but doesn't um, the, the one that it's got uh, the system that it's got hasn't started working in the UK yet this will be coming out in April and primarily will be uh, for this uh, at this point a DAB radio uh, and again that's quite neat and just fits in your pocket uh, with a little screen there in that little aerial so <laughs> very smart so yeah and those aren't the only two um, this is from this week's broadcast uh, there's ten more of these DAB uh, of these um, pocket televisions um, that will be coming out in the next year or so so it's a real it's a real growth area and if they're that's a very good question uh, to, to, that's a very good question to which I don't know the answer I'll find out we're not responsible for the license fee so it's not my area of expertise I'll leave that one if there's anybody here from the BBC but um, uh, that, I, that's a very good question Maybe that's a mobile know. TV license enforcement officers. Yeah, can I check your mobile, sir? <laughs> if it's powered from the South of Saint Battery, you will be covered by your home license. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There's your answer. Um, so, what opportunities are there? Um, by the way, um, what we want to do is we're, we've got about 10 minutes of, of, of talking at you but uh, we do want your feedback on what you see the future being, what you see the threats and opportunities being. So please do think of questions, think of deb discussion debates, and if you've got any good examples of how your stations are thinking about the future and how your listeners will be consuming radio in the future, we'd really like to hear them. Um, so as you can see, I, mean, I, I did a scan of the digital radio band here to set these up, and there are 30 stations that are available on DAB just in this in, in this town and there will be 10 more coming with the second national multiplex and next Wednesday we're advertising a specific local digital multiplex for Northampton and that could again offer another 10 stations so uh, by the end of I'm um, guess by kind of early 2008 there could be 50 odd digital radio stations available just here in one sort of middle market town um, <coughs> digital radio also offers potential new revenue streams from podcasts, the ability to buy and download music, and that's another thing that's coming to mobile phones. I can't demo that on this phone, um, but UBC are introducing software. It's, I think it's already active, isn't it? Yeah. The, the digital yeah, music download. Is if you like a song that you hear on the radio, you can press a red button 
on your mobile phone it allowed allow you to download that track to your mobile and also to your home PC so you hear a song you like you press buy and it charges you one pound 25 and it's downloaded to your mobile and to uh, send a second copy to your home PC saves you coming in to ever go out into a record store anymore <laughs> but of course the radio station will take a cut of that um, so they're making money from it as well and it also allows you to uh, because you've got a screen it allows you to put advertising data on the screen if you want to as well or just more information about the song or the artist and there's things that I can show you because that actually uh, that's working on the on the um, iRiver so having said all of that some of the most exciting developments I've seen in radio come from hospital and student radio. You guys are the closest to your listeners and you understand exactly what they want while working within extremely tight budgets. I visited a student station last year where they'd written some quite simple code that allowed listeners' texts to directly control <coughs> their playout system by matching the text that was sent to the artists in the song database and placing that into the play queue. So listeners could have genuine requests even when the station isn't staffed. Hospital stations produce some great content. We'll be recognising that fact at the awards ceremony tonight. I know of one station that produces an excellent sports show on a Saturday afternoon, and it could be of much wider interest to the local community. So could that be made available to a wider audience as a podcast? Could you go further than that and link with the local football club to produce a podcast for them? or produce a podcast guide to the facilities available at the hospital that the visitors can download before they come. Alternatively, there are 90 million visitors each month looking at MySpace. 19% of active UK internet surfers used MySpace at least once last month. If you search for hospital radio and MySpace on Google, the top site returned is Ivan Brackenbury. So I think there may be something we can do about that. You could be using this to give listeners another way to get in touch with you. But what does this mean for regulation? What about analogue stations? What future do they have and what can be done to make sure it continues to be viable in a world of increasing competition? At the moment, analogue local commercial radio is regulated far more heavily than DAB radio. DAB, in turn, is regulated far less than radio via other broadcast platforms. And radio via the internet, it's key to say, isn't regulated at all, and we don't want to regulate the internet. The three trends we've just talked about mean that the way that commercial radio has been regulated, particularly in terms of formats and localness, may need to change. We had over 200 responses to the discussion document that we published, and there was general support for us to look at these issues further. So what are we planning to do about it? At the moment, we're looking at all the options and plan to publish our proposals now in a couple of weeks' time for public consultation. The sort of things we'll consider are whether current analogue formats are too detailed, whether the amount of local programming stations are required to produce is sustainable, or whether they should be given greater flexibility. But we need to balance the pressure for deregulation to ensure that commercial radio remains strong against the need to protect listeners' interests. And there's also a question about when any changes should be introduced. Well, apart from all the trends that we've just been talking about, there's also a fourth reason for looking at the future of radio now. Ofcom will soon have to begin the process of re-advertising existing analogue FM and AM local commercial radio stations. Now, at present, all the FM local licences will expire between 2009 and 2027, <coughs> with the bulk of those expiring between 2010 and 2015. 
When these are re-advertised, the new licences would last for another 12 years with a potential of a further 12-year renewal if they also provide a station on the local DAB multiplex. So the question we have to ask is, if digital listening is really going to account for 90% of all listening in 10 years' time, so you know, by, by logic from that, hardly anyone is listening to those stations on FM anymore, is it really sensible to carry on licensing analog FM stations in 2010 for a period that could tie up the FM band until 2034? Now we do know that there are other potential uses for the FM spectrum. What we don't know yet, and what we don't even want to guess at, is what the best use of that spectrum might be, or what the best use for that spectrum might be. <coughs> that could be mobile television, see an example there. Could be more digital radio. Could be still be FM radio. Perhaps for community radio, or smaller stations that can't go digital. And obviously you, you might start to think of a scope for hospital radio perhaps in, in that scenario. Or it could be something that no one's even thought of yet in terms of a new use for the FM band. And at this stage, frankly, it doesn't matter that much. Some of those alternative uses for FM um, may require the spectrum to be divided in different ways, so to achieve maximum flexibility, and we would require most of all of our licenses to expire around the same time. That's why one of the things we're looking at now is how to give ourselves the flexibility to use it for other things, perhaps by aligning the end dates of most, if not all, of the licences. How we might do that will be the subject of our public consultation, which, as well mentioned before, is going to be published in the next couple of weeks. And, of course, all this raises the potential for an actual switch-off of FM, or at least for an end to digital and analogue simulcasting, both for commercial radio and for the BBC. Any future policy for FM use across the UK would, of course, have to be discussed with the BBC and a coordinated approach agreed. It's too soon to name a date, but we need to start a debate now about what we'd have to take into account in order to set that potential switch-off date. Now, a subject I know close to many of your hearts here, medium wave. For medium wave or AM stations, the situation is slightly different. There's the same process of relicensing but the bulk of that will happen between 2013 and 2015, although the national AM licences, Virgin 1215 and Talk Sport, expire before that. <coughs> Long-term RSLs are licensed for five years, as you know, so even now we're licensing new RSL services through until 2012. This raises the same questions for FM about the licensing process and the length of those licences. But on medium wave, the alternative uses for that spectrum are rather more limited, the main one being DRM, you might have heard of, a digital radio mondial, um, the digital radio technology for medium wave. The medium wave spectrum we have available in the UK could offer at least half a dozen national digital quality radio services and a host of local digital stations, all on the AM band. On medium wave, DRM is likely to be a one or two station per frequency service, and so coverage areas can be tailored much more easily to the individual local station requirements than is the case with DAB at the moment. So while DAB is a cornerstone of digital radio in the UK, DRM could offer a complementary service to DAB. Now on medium wave, uh, in terms of the commercial sector, there's much less need to align licences and dates, and their end dates rather, as for technical reasons that spectrum can't be divided in different ways like FM can, and alternative technologies can make use of it earlier. 
<coughs> also, listening to AM stations has been declining rapidly in recent years, with notable exceptions such as TalkSport, Radio 5 Live and the Asian services. Last year, listening to local commercial AM services was just 3.8% of all radio listening, and that figure includes some listening on digital platforms as well. It may therefore be possible for us to free up the medium wave spectrum for other uses at an earlier date than Ofcom would be able to for FM. And um, finally on this section, it's important to say that the TV switchover that you've probably heard about that starts in Whitehaven in Cumbria on the 17th of October will not affect radio. It'll actually bring more radio choice, of course, because of everyone having Freeview or Sky in their homes. No one knows how many analogue radios there are out there at the moment. Our best guess is about 150 million. Uh, even Digital One, operators of the first national digital multiplex in their response to the discussion document that we put out last year, have said that they consider 2015 as a sensible date for the very first FM frequencies to be switched over. So, so no one's you know, campaigning for this to happen tomorrow, even people like Digital One with obviously quite heavily vested interest in, in that scenario. And it's clear, I think, you know, we acknowledge that much more work is needed before any decisions on these issues are taken, including a full cost-benefit analysis, and there would, of course, be a full public consultation on any decision to switch off FM or AM. So turning to the smaller stations that don't have a route to DAB, one of the issues in considering the future licensing programme and any potential switch to digital is what to do with the smaller commercial stations and RSL operators, of course, including hospital and student stations. We recognise that DAB is currently too expensive for many of the smaller stations. There's sometimes no room for these stations on the existing local multiplex, which often covers a much larger area than the station's own coverage area. At the moment we know there's the fear in some quarters of being left behind in what some see as the FM or AM backwater which digital listeners won't switch back to. We've been aware of this issue for a long time, but we still don't have the solutions. What we want is to facilitate a route to digital broadcasting for these stations, but it's really important to point out that no local station has a guaranteed right to digital migration. However, a number of possibilities are emerging which may help. The first is that DRM, Digital Radio Mondial, which John mentioned, which allows digital transmission on frequencies including medium wave, will offer a solution. DRM sets are now starting to come onto the market, and in time, DRM could be built into every new digital set. A second possibility is simply to stay on analogue, but for the vast majority of sets to be platform invisible. So that is, they'd have a single menu of stations covering DAB, DRM and FM, and that the technology that they're using and the wave band they broadcast on would be invisible and irrelevant to the listener. And there are sets again that are starting to do this. Um, this again is another piece of trade press, and that's a picture of a new set from Morphe Richards, uh, that does both of these things. It has DRM on it, it's the first commercially available DRM set, and it has a single menu. So you just don't know how it's arriving at the radio, whether it's DAB, DRM, or FM. It's just a menu, and you select from the menu which station you want. A third possibility is that new coding on DAB will offer much more capacity on existing multiplexes. That'll cut the cost per station, and provide room for those who can't gain carriage today. However, that, that solution would also require new sets. What all of these possibilities require is for the radio industry, whether commercial, BBC, or all the other players and people involved, to work together to persuade manufacturers to produce sets which are future-proof and which do all of those things. 
combining the standards of DAB, DRM and FM and maybe even Wi-Fi radio using the internet into a single seamless menu. This may not be quite such of a pipe dream as it sounds, the benefit, benefits for manufacturers are great too. As the rest of Europe wakes up to digital radio, with France and Germany both about to relaunch DAB using new coding schemes, and many countries interested in DRM, there's the possibility of creating a new mass market internationally for such sets. And hopefully, for the same reasons, we may even see digital radio finally becoming more ubiquitous in cars. But this solution will require major effort on everybody's part, and we at Ofcom are also willing to play our part. So, to wrap up, uh, we at Ofcom recognise that all radio faces major challenges going forward, from increased competition, from the move to digital, and from illegal broadcasters. We want to do what we can to protect the interests of listeners, and to help everybody working in radio to survive and prosper over the coming years. So that's enough of us talking at you. Hopefully that's given you a feel for what we at Ofcom are doing on the future of radio, and we want the debate to start here. Uh, we put out a discussion document back in November, and I've got some copies of that that set up some of the big themes that we'll be consulting on. Uh, but we will be launching a really big consultation uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And one of the things we want to make sure is that everybody <coughs> plays a part in that. Uh, it will affect everybody in this room, if, even if just as a listener. It might affect you if you're on an LRSL license, uh, because it will have implications for the frequencies that we use for that. And even the bigger themes about how listening is translating to digital mean that if somebody's listening to an iPod, then they're not listening, they only have one set of ears, they won't be listening to your radio station. So there are some really big issues that we want to get everybody uh, involved in, whether just as a listener or as representatives of hospital radio, because it's really important that everybody has an equal say, um, that it doesn't just get, it, get decided at boardroom level in GCAP or EMAP or one of the big radio groups, it's really important that we get a wide range of, uh, of views. So we do want to get a discussion and get some feedback on the sort of things that you're, you're doing at your stations. John, do you want to... Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be totally interested in um, knowing where you individually think your hospital, what platform your, your hospital service is likely to be broadcasting on in 10 years' time. Maybe, you know, whether you, your plan is still to use AM for as long as you can, for, for those of you that have AM, or um, whether you think some sort of uh, internet Wi-Fi kind of idea m might work if, if hospitals have those facilities. Um, so I'd be interested to know, or, or whether there are kind of internal systems within hospitals that are being upgraded that I don't know about that might provide a transmission solution. Because there is obviously the risk that, you know, it's not going to be next year or the year after, but it may well be that the AM eventually does get shut down, which obviously will mean that there is no, that those frequencies that you currently use will no longer be there. Um, same is potentially true of FM, although, again, you know, we're not saying that there won't be some sort of future for the FM band in terms of analog radio broadcasting. So does anyone have a vision of um, you know, what platform your stations might be broadcasting on in, in the future? I mean, maybe you can tell me what platforms you're currently broadcasting on, whether it's internal networks or, or you're using AM or even FM in some cases. I got my hand up for a different question, sorry. Yeah, no, far away. You, you mentioned uh, France and Germany relaunching DAB, but with a different whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, system, yeah. Right. Will radios 
that receive uh, that are able to um, translate that their coding system be able to translate the coding system used over here and what's the possibility of our older coding system being brought up to <coughs> European standards if you like um, as I understand it I think you will correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I, I think you need new sets basically for the different coding yeah. mm -hmm. um, the, the, the coding uh, the coding that France and Germany are using is MPEG-4 um, the coding that the UK system uses because we were one of the pioneers is still MPEG-2 um, so we won't be switching off um, the, the, the current system anytime soon what we want to see is a transition uh, towards MPEG-4 uh, but we won't be switching it off at any that to any some point. extent illustrates my concerns mm. that because we were first in the water yeah. you know, we've got the old knitted swimming trunks there's a picture that will hold yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that image <laughs> I, I, pr I prefer the image of the London Underground when, when you go to uh, Australia they've got double decker tubes and air conditioning on the tube and yeah. that's because the Australian uh, the Sydney tube network was, um, uh, was built in the 1950s ours goes back to the 1850s so we still have sooty single carriages and can't do air conditioning I think that's a better analogy than <laughs> a knitted swimming trunks but um, but no, it, it, it is an issue, and I think, um, I, I think what we want to do is make sure that there's an orderly transition, and as the, the sets that are coming in now, um, we'll be able to do both coding systems, and as those, get, um, as those become more common, uh, there'll be some stations will move across. Uh, but yes, I mean, it, what, what the DAB manufacturers are trying to, trying to tell people is that um, it's like a mobile phone as more features become available, you upgrade your mobile phone and there's a clear upgrade path and a lot of people get a new mobile phone every two or three years and that may have to be the case with radios. That's the line that they're taking. I'm not sure I necessarily yeah, not, not agree with that. that but technically the same. But, but that's, that's, that's I mean, the way it, they're saying. It's one of the things that, that bothers me to some extent is that we, we, we look at the figures for digital listening and all the rest of it. And uh, my understanding is that they include you know people who've got uh, freeview yeah and, you know, and most radio listening is not done through your telly but everybody that's got freeview or a freeview yeah. box that's counted as being radio accessible and uh, and I'm not certain that whether we're really whether the figures actually stack up as uh, as much as they they should do no, I, think the, I think the interesting figure at the moment is to look at the DAB household penetration as they call it which is 16% now because obviously DAB being portable radios and then that's a separate figure from the, the overall digital penetration which is obviously a lot higher because of everyone having previews. So, so I think so that's the figure to keep your eye on really. So, right, so one, in, one in six people have got a DAB radio in the home. Households, yeah, yeah. In the household. Yeah. Can I do a straw poll? These are all radio enthusiasts. And just sort of say, how many of you got a household digital DA, uh, DAB radio? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, you, this surprises me. In that case, I'll, I'll have to accept the accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my scepticism is overruled by this. Where you're also right to bear in mind as well is that this is household <coughs> penetration, and only one of your radios in your house might be a DAB, so it might yeah. most commonly be a kitchen one, which means that all your other radios in your house and your car one is still 
analog so you know even though you're getting counted as one of those 16 percent actually you're probably still doing a lot of your listening on, on analog because you've only got the digital radio in a kitchen yeah, so. lots of questions so yeah you over there uh my question relates to quality um you've mentioned that switching to the new codec will will give more opportunity for smaller stations to get onto the spectrum you've also talked about the possibility of fm switch off um where in the future proposals is for some sort of strategy for keeping uh, a quality service because the digital radio service, unlike the digital television service, is markedly lower in quality than, the, than a good analogue transmission? Um, I'll take this one. Of the 200 responses that we got to the, to the, uh, digital, uh, to the Future of Radio discussion document, uh, 170 of them were on the issue of audio quality. Um, now, because of that, um, and because there is a clear uh, 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 area of concern around digital radio quality, uh, largely led by uh, the Hi-Fi Press and a journalist called, uh, called Jack Schofield in, in, in The Guardian. Um, uh, we, we, we love Jack. Um, is um, uh, we, we commissioned some research on people's perceptions of DAB radio quality and actually, um, without previewing what's in the document, um, it was something like over 85% of people <coughs> thought DAB digital radio quality was good or excellent. So, um, so in terms of the actual public listening on kitchen sets, um, uh, felt that the, the quality was at least as good as FM. Um, now, I, I accept that there is probably, uh, a, amongst the people that didn't find that, uh, there may be a high pro proportion of those using upmarket hi-fi equipment, and that's something that we, we've got to do. What we want to continue to do uh, is work with the industry on um, a, a co-regulatory code that, that uh, monitors the, the bit rates used for DAB, but it's important to say that there is a trade-off uh, that there's so much capacity on a digital radio multiplex, and I've learned an awful lot about this in the last few weeks, uh, that there's a, so much capacity on a digital radio multiplex and it can be chopped up in many ways. Um, and what has been found in the research is that people buy digital radios because of the number of new stations that they can receive, which may have new formats that are of particular interest. And so it's for the multiplex operators, the people that actually <coughs> operate the transmission, to work out the optimal balance between the quality le level because you can have fewer stations in higher quality and offering more choice, which is more stations, but you may have to reduce the quality to get those stations onto the multiplex. So it will, it, it will be a matter for the multiplex operators, but again, it forms part of the, our proposals will form part of the consultation, um, and we welcome, we welcome feedback on that, and I'm sure it will be an area that we get lots of responses on again. I suppose what I'm saying is to do part of the licensing procedure if it is going to actually replace the FM spectrum eventually, should there not be something relating to quality rather than quantity within the licensing process? Well, as, a, as I've said, we have to balance the listeners' needs, and it's a key Ofcom duty to make sure that the listeners get what they want. We've found, the research has found, it's not, uh, it's not a widespread concern, but there is a significant minority concern on it, and it must be something that we'll have to continue to monitor. So. Uh, take a look at the proposals and, and, and make sure your, your, your feedback's part of that. Just on the research, is it national research or, or local? Uh, it's national research, it's a, it's a full omnibus, it's a full omnibus, uh, we did three waves of omnibus uh, survey, so it's uh, 3,000 people. Um, 
the sample size didn't allow us to drill down into, because we had such a small response of people saying that it was poor, we couldn't drill down further into that to find out, because one of the things we wanted to try and work out was the people that rated it as poor, what sort of set they were listening on, but there was, but actually, the number of people that said it was poor was so small, we couldn't drill down further into it for it to be statistically accurate. I'm happy to talk, uh, I'm more than happy to talk to you guys afterwards, and I'm try and keep going on this. Um, I'm particularly concerned about... Um, can you stand up? Oh, I don't think everyone can hear you. Right. Can you say that your name and, and where you're from? I think it might help the guys to get an idea of where everyone's from. I'm Steve, Steve Kelly from Radio Witham and Grantham. Um, I'm particularly concerned about what I perceive as an erosion of DAB digital audio broadcasting by television broadcasters occupying capacity on the multiplexes. Um, particularly in terms of reducing either the number of stations or reducing quality. Um, so my question in two parts really. Firstly, are there going to be any safeguards for the second national multiplex regarding capacity usage by vision broadcasters over audio broadcasting? And secondly, with the digital switch over for television and the proposed freeing up of a section of band 4 or 5, part of the television spectrum is not going to be used anymore, will that be then be made available for vision broadcasters again using another format? Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't, uh, the first part of the question on, 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 DA, on, on the um, capacity, off the top of my head, I'm fairly sure there's still a 30%. Uh, so I was going to say, I think it's the same as I think it's the same one, as Digital yeah. One, that uh, there's a 30% maximum on, on the use for data services and TV services would fall under, but, uh, under, under that provision. Um, and, and that, we, we have no plans to change. That was increased to allow uh, the Movio trials uh, for Digital One uh, because we think it's something that uh, will help get digital radio into mobile phones. So there's a trade-off between, yeah, you might go, well, that's television, not radio, but it brings benefits to the radio industry and it gets DAB chips into mobile phone handsets that we think is really important for getting, in particular, uh, teenagers into radio. And um, we found that a lot of people uh, bought it for the television side, but actually ended up loving the radio side, uh, which is really, really encouraging. Um, uh, in terms of the future use of what's currently used for analog radio, um, I don't know. It's not an area. The spectrum allocation isn't isn't my specific area, but I would imagine that um, Ofcom has a predilection for um, auction auctioning off spectrum to the highest bidder as being the fairest way of allocating spe scarce spectrum. Uh, uh, but I, I don't know whether any any firm decision has been taken on that. That won't be till 2012. So it's no, still it wouldn't be consulted on yeah. even if Ofcom's recommendation was to have an auction for, for that. The, you know, there would be a, a consultation with a major decision like that. So you'd have your chance to have a say. Uh, going back to your first question about platforms and how we broadcast, yeah. mm. a majority of, or a lot of hospital radio stations are fairly happy these days with the bedside so-called patient power, patient line, hospital kind of systems. But there's also a fear that they're all a bit wobbly financially and we often get these warnings, what would we do if our local operator fell over and we had nothing left to do or broadcast through? Is Ofcom, I and mean, this is obviously a hypothetical situation, but if you've got a rush of applicants from hospital radio stations saying, help, we now need a transmitter to be heard, how would you deal with it? And also for stations within London, which is where I come from, West Middlesex, the thorny question, 
what happens to London Station. Now this is hypothetical, but it's something we need to bear in mind for the future. Yeah, I mean London would be a problem because the, the low power AMs, um, long term RSLs, are, are, you know, as you know, are not available to London. So um, yeah, I mean it, that that would be a difficult one. Um, in, in terms of the logistics of it, if if everyone was applying for low power AM suddenly at the same time, you know, it might create a slight backlog in applications, but I don't think that would be particularly be a logistical problem for, for our staff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the situation would be for I think stations in London. The problem with London is there are so many competing demands and we, we're, we're desperately trying to find frequencies at the moment uh, for new community radio stations and we're really struggling even to find things with a three to five kilometre radius. Um, now there may be, because of the confine to, to uh, the hospital area, uh, it may be that there are frequencies that can be used for hospital radio that can't be used, uh, that aren't even suitable for community radio, but um, London is a real, real issue and uh, one of the other areas that we're looking at and we can talk about if people want is, um, is illegal broadcasters and we're, we're trying to find ways of, of um, reducing the pirate interference which currently means a lot of frequencies are unusable in London uh, simply because they're, they're so heavily pirate occupied and we think that will be an issue for community radio frequencies that we've licensed so it's something that we're having to do a lot of work on at, at the moment is identifying frequencies in London. When uh, early, earlier this year or late last year um, there was you announced um, the availability of some frequencies in the 60 megahertz band for audio distribution um, audio distribution systems and at least one of our stations in the London area expressed to us and we passed on to you an interest in using that. Would you see that as a particularly um, uh, suitable way for us to get material to to to, to our patients? It's, it's one possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you think, you know, we're, we're very open-minded about looking for new <coughs> solutions and if it's something that you think may be, may be feasible then we'd, we'd be yeah. happy to take a look at it. I don't know what the competing uses are. Well, I don't think it's it, particularly designed with Hospital Radio Mind but it's no, certainly no. worth investigating because it was mainly for um, sports yeah. launches and stuff and then yeah, church I, services. I know for instance, I, I had um, a contact with the prison radio folks who were also interested in it for similar reasons to us. They also had issues with not wanting the public outside sure. to be able to hear what the uh, what what was going on in, in, in inside. <laughs> <laughs> there. So there is a way of going FM for some people on on you know with, with the uh, RSL licensing regime. But um, I mean you know the way things have been set up by government, Ofcom has to cover its costs of, of what we do and, and awarding of licenses through you know, the license application fees. Um, I don't know. Is, I don't, I don't think, no, I don't think there is an easy answer. We've tried to keep, in particular, the community licensing fees as low as we can. And I think compared to, for example, the £5,000 that you're looking at for a commercial radio license, I think 600 whilst I'm not in any way sitting here going, it's a bargain and you keep me in, <laughs> you keep me in coffee, in, in, in Ofcom coffee and tea, and that's brilliant. But, um, uh, I think we've tried to make it uh, as, as accessible as we can and we, we want to look at one of the things we'll be looking at in the consultation is whether we can reduce uh, at least the, the application form and things like that so that it's simpler to apply um, 
whether that will reduce the costs. I think I think you're right. I mean, we we hope generally that transmission will become cheaper in the way that technology gradually becomes cheaper uh, over time. We're hoping that the cost will reduce. But uh, no, I mean, as as we said in the speech, we don't come with with, with any easy any easy solutions. But uh, I will certainly take that back. Um, there seem there were a lot of people nodding in the audience there. Uh, um, what that won't reduce is the PRS and PPL fees, which, you know, when, when I've worked on RSL broadcast myself, I know that that's where the bulk of the, of the money goes, and that's not something that we'll be able to help with. Yeah, and just to make that doubly clear, you know, Ofcom don't set the music copyright fees that, that, that's done by. But the community radio licence fee, the £600, yeah, pounds, is a totally different licence. Um, you know, there is the, the low power AM licence where there isn't. Is it 200 perhaps? Yeah, the 200 pound yeah. license fee. And to be honest, if you're thinking of going on to low power AM, which is going to cost you equipment wise about roughly 15 grand, 200 pounds extra isn't a great deal uh, to just add on to the, the cost of that. Um, so I don't think that's an issue. I mean, I think there's, there's two, to me, two totally different things here. There's how we as hospital broadcasters get our signal to our listeners, our core listeners, which are the patients, and the iffy nature of the patient power initiative or whatever is something that perhaps is a, a concern in the back of a large number of people's minds. Uh, but that, to me, I think is probably the, the, the main way. All the other AM links and, and all the rest of it, or Nigel's suggestion, you know, involves extra radios being put into the hospital and to the patients and that gets more complicated etc. There's that discussion that we need to have and then there's the other bit that says the national picture and, and DAB etc. Yeah. Colin Johnson, Victoria Radio Network in Kirkcaldy. Um, we have we've just started our second five-year term of uh, LPAM on, on medium wave and when we applied for the licence, it was Ofcom that came back and said to us, uh, we will only offer medium wave licences to hospital radio on LPAM. <coughs> now, you're saying in your, in your presentation that uh, eventually this will all, the medium wave will all disappear in the conventional way that is... Potentially. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, will it not be Ofcom that will come back and say, well, you're an operator, you're okay, you're hospital radio, they'll come back. Should they not be coming back to we will offer you a frequency on whether it be this new medium wave digital or whether it will be on the multiplex DAB? I mean, uh, unfortunately, we're, and, and this includes the commercial stations as well as hospital and student, we're, we're not in a position to kind of guarantee anyone frequency migration. Um, I mean, I think in terms of medium wave disappearing, in a way, you know, I'm not saying it won't, won't disappear, but there's in a way, that's a more likely scenario with FM because there, there are lots of other things you can use the, the FM spectrum band for. <coughs> Whereas at AM, there's not too many uses that we know about at the moment other than radio broadcasting. Now, of course, that might, you know, move across to um, DRM, digital broadcasting, still using on AM. But it's more likely that that band will still still be for radio. Um, well, not one alternative moves. scenario is that we clear out that as more listening moves to digital. We clear out the, the current bands used by uh, the national networks, for example, and this is only one hypothetical scenario. But what, what we're saying today is we don't know. But, let's, but let's say, let's say uh, the FM stations move to DAB, that leaves us with a lot more FM spectrum, and we can migrate the stations that are currently on AM 
to FM to, to better FM frequency. Well, ideally, we would have loved to go on an FM, but, the, the, but in the central belt of Scotland, where we are, they said no. There's there's two. Yeah. We don't have room yeah, for you. Yeah, it's very, it's very good. Yeah, now, I mean, it's true that the future use of FM spectrum may just still be analog radio broadcasting on FM, but it might be, as Will said, different stations because we can give room for lots of new people while the established broadcasters go on to DAB. We wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because we're talking about the future of radio, um, can you tell me like what the average age is that that listen to radio nowadays? Um, I don't have a figure for that. You will. Good question. Yeah. I can find out. Well, I can um, tell you about the trends if you're thinking some of the trends behind that is that although certainly in the last radio quarter the reach of all radio amongst all age groups was up the, we are starting to see some decline in, in listening <coughs> certainly listening hours in the, the sort of 15-24 age group which is a concern and, and that's also happening in, another, in a few other countries as well particularly the states it, it, it's very uh, noticeable that the youngest 15-24 demographic there is really starting to turn its back on radio it seems so um, there are certainly some early causes for concern I can quote tra tradition I'm in that bracket um, and obviously I'm very interested in radio but my job at the moment is I'm doing web TV um, in Swindon actually and my, my only concern is that in Swindon alone I mean hospital radio Swindon I mean we try so hard to like make our listeners listen to us but why would they listen to us when they could go on the web and watch TV and things so I didn't know whether we could maybe incorporate two I think it's a really, really key area that we have to get children involved in, in radio and, and participating. Um, I've found that the figures that we have in the discussion document, uh, traditionally radio reaches a higher proportion of young adults than the population as a whole, but this difference is beginning to disappear. In addition, 16 to 24 year olds listen to less radio per week than the population as a whole. The future of radio listening by this key group as they get older is difficult to predict, and if kids aren't getting the radio habit, or the only exposure well, that they have, yeah, it, the only exposure yeah. that they have to it is that they might have an FM uh, uh, radio in their mobile phone. Then that's a genuine concern. Um, what what is positive is that they seem to, is that they're very um, active media consumers, so they expect to be able to interact. They they want to take part in it, and the technology means that you know most computers now come with stuff that can make radio programs that. I used to edit tape with Roland and you know you had a razor blade and joining two bits of tape now you can do it in 30 seconds on a computer um, so, they're, so they're creating the media and we in terms of the radio industry as a whole have to find ways of engaging them and making it interactive uh, and, and, and meeting their expectations for, for the consumption of audio because otherwise we will lose them to iPods we will lose them to the interactive stuff on the internet um, and, and you know, if they can listen to a fantastic radio station from America or something like that, which they can now do, probably, if anything, for them, more easily than trying to tune something on a crazy FM radio, um, we will lose them. And, and that genuinely terrifies me. There's a steamroller coming and, and you know, a lot of people don't see it. I don't know how, how well, much we, 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 we should got, be finishing at 11.30, but I think if we just take, if we take the two, two questions. questions. And, and it's really important to say John and I will be around uh, uh, 
all day today and at the awards ceremony tonight. And please do come and ask us. And I'm, I'm happy to debate DAB sound quality over several <laughs> yeah, like over several types of beer. Come and give us a kicking. I don't. Come, come and give us a kicking. It's no problem. But should we drink I'm, first? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got very thick skin. Or if you want to bung us brown envelopes full of cash, we're. Edit that bit out. The steamroller you mentioned for yeah. the, the future radio, in particular, what we're here for for hospital radio, uh, with stations getting patient lines straight away. We're going into the hospital. We're planning to work hard, but already they've got the freedom to choose their local FM station they normally listen to. Yeah. With digital, uh, for example, the example you used here, another 30 stations. Yeah. The only thing that we used to have was a niche market of specialists. The knowledge that we've got, so we could do the classical, the rock, the country, the Scottish. Whereas now, they've got access to the, the national digital station that can do that. The future of hospital radio, surely we're going to be steamrolled first. No, 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 exactly the opposite. You still have one unique selling point, which is you are hospital radio. You are talking about the hospital and you're talking about their experience uh, and you should be providing them unique content. And I think this is where community radio has a, has a unique point that you're talking about, let's say you're talking about Northampton, you're closer to the patients and you're the only person that can go there and shake their hand at their bedside. And I think you're perhaps looking in the wrong in the yeah, wrong place. Right, but I just think with the choice and that, and especially with this younger market, the 16 to 24 and that, it's hard enough to get into us at hospital radio just now when you're competing with yeah. the local FM station where they can win prizes, listen to their favourite celeb, do it, we can't do that already. And it's hard enough to get, yeah, we've still got the physical contact, which is the, the biggest value yeah. of hospital radio, we've still got the presence there. But for a pure listening point of view, when they're in that bed, they're going to have more and more choice with this technology coming in, that they're listening to the stations that have got the money. These yeah. stations have advertising revenue. We can't get that in. We're no, relying on it. So it's really difficult for us to sustain this long term. I'm not kind of devaluing that part of the argument but, uh, because he will have to work, everybody is going to have to work, you know, we're, we're having this exactly the same discussion with local commercial radio. North Hans 96 will have to work twice as hard against competition from, you know, a, a million radio stations around the world that are available on the internet. I don't know what that figure is, I just made it up. but. Um, you know, they, they will have to work much harder, but it's finding your unique yeah. selling point, which in Sorry, your case is, which in your case is, is being in hospital and sharing the hospital experience. Although you want that as a selling point, that's not bringing in revenue. No. We're no. still a charity, we're still trying to bring that in. Another station can have their unique selling point, which brings in revenue. They can sell the podcast and that's stuff we could possibly look into. But uh, sorry, our I unique mean, selling I mean, point I mean, is a financial thing. So no, I mean, sorry, I mean unique selling point in terms of why they choose you. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, when you were talking about the concern for uh, younger listeners, you're losing You're the people who um, give the licensing out. So surely aren't you looking for um, licenses that aim at those people? Well, it, it varies from market to market. And in some cases, we, we have licensed services, like, for example, the, the Manchester license we did a couple of years ago went to XFM. But also, there's another... There's also competing pressure that actually local commercial radio, which we license, 
is actually disproportionately young in terms of the audience. So the big market hole for local commercial radio, I think it's fair to say in most areas of the country, is actually the, the, the older demographics where you know Radio 2 in particular is just steamrolling everybody. And, and so the big gaps in ILR listening, you know, a uh, uh, 50 plus at, at the moment so that would explain why some of the recent licenses from us have been um you know quite older focused uh, can i come back oh. on that the gentleman's point there because he was saying Just very as if, quickly yeah. well, no you were saying as if uh, you know we, we're on patient line people have got all the commercial things and they'll not listen to us because they're there and they've got advertising budgets well our experience of patient line is when we get monthly statistics the most popular channel is ITV1, the second most popular channel is either us, the hospital radio, or BBC One television. Now that's because our USB, our contact with the world, means, and it's not that we're a default channel, this was before that happened. You know, it was because what we were doing, we were delivering what they wanted to hear. No choice, and it's the same market, but as opposed to com competing with you, with the Beam and a couple of local stations, it's going to be us competing against the local stations that are there plus another 30 national digital stations which we didn't compete with. And all it takes is if everybody moves off to a couple of different ones, the market's just floating down. But I think we're talking about, if you don't mind, I think we're talking about a different issue here. We're talking about possibly programme content and contact with the patients. And, and that's another passion that we all have and all share. And I'm sorry, but I do have to stop you here because just, just very quickly. We've gone off a tangent somewhat here because in fact, we in hospital radio are dealing mainly with 40 plus. Yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah no, that's a, again, sure. it's yeah. A and I think you know, in this world of unlimited choice, a, a slight bit at least of demographic targeting is going to be an inevitability because mm -hmm. there's so much choice. And I think but, even I mean, Radio Two proves the fact of what you're saying that that it tends to have an older age group. Although you can look through all the various. Um, national radios one two etc people move through those at different stages in their life which is again a, a different issue i really am sorry i know we've got lots of questions out there and i do apologize but we only have an hour so i would really like to say a very big thank you to will and to john for coming and You've been listening to the On Air Podcast. Check out the show notes and any scripts needed by visiting the website at onairpodcast.co.uk. You can email the show with comments, audio, or items for the next edition via onairpodcast at gmail.com. The show's imaging is supplied by DivaWeb, online at divaweb.co.uk.